0: Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is Shareable. Remember, if you like this episode, think about who else you know who would like it and share it. It might even start the conversation that changes the course of your life. This episode of Shareable is a mic swap. It's a concept I came up with back in 2017 on the very first episode of Shareable. I thought, what if I made my guest into the host and I became the guest of my own show? This simple swap has led to some really incredible episodes with conversations I never could have even imagined before they happened. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of MicSwap.
1: Jeff, thank you for signing over the mic to me. This is, uh, I'm excited that we're gonna get to uh, discuss some topics. You know I love high performance and I love thinking about how people uh, kind of maximize themselves. And so I'm really excited for the questions that I thought about over the past couple of days to ask you. Thanks for having me. All right, well, let's, let's just start. I love to ask people because I think there's an innate uh, like wisdom in each of us. And there are plenty of things that our brains do to, you know, sabotage us also. However, speaking to that wisdom piece, um, what if you had to say, what helps you max yourself? Are there uh, like habits or just things, reliable things you know about yourself uh, that when I ask you the question, like, what does it look like to max Jeff?
0: What so, I, do you think about there, that? There are kind of two things that jump to mind with that. So, I'll, I'll give you the one that I think speaks to probably what the nature of the question is about, and then kind of the other thing that struck me too. So, the first thing is, how do I max Jeff? So, I have ADHD and um, very low needs autism. I think I'm not sure. It's a self diagnostic d- diagnostic on the uh, the autism thing, but but I know that my brain doesn't work kind of as standard. And as a result throughout my life, um, I've kind of noticed that things weren't necessarily tailored to me. And a lot of the advice I would get was like advice that was really meant for someone else. So I think in being really introspective and being very curious about how I work and you know what what makes me tick and what makes me operate at my best and kind of dropping a lot of the shame about some of those things, I think getting mm-hmm. really clear on all that Um, has been kind of the first step. So for instance, I know that I work best at night and a lot of of my life, I've been somewhat, I don't know if I would say ashamed of that, but I guess I've just been like, I guess ashamed might even be the best word for it. Like I shouldn't be like that. I've had this thought that like, I should be one of those people that wakes up at 5 a.m. and goes to the gym and does, but like, that's just not me, right? And I think the moment that I stopped fighting any of that stuff is when I started having more success and happiness in my life. So, in terms of what maxes me, I know that I need to work within the within the structure of what it is that makes my brain work. And mm-hmm. there's a, a couple ways that that works. One, I have to externally process time and tasks. It just doesn't work up in my head. There's no time doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it, it's either now or not now. I have no sense of the passage of time. Time is just it's a weird thing for me. So, I need lots of clocks and I need calendars and I need reminders. So that's one thing. Two is that I know that I have a superpower called hyperfocus, and it's a thing that a lot of people who have ADHD and autism uh, do where they can basically hyperfixate on a certain thing and without it's sort of like being in the flow, but like mm-hmm. like one level one step more intense, I guess I would say. So I try really hard to um, to manifest. That hyper focus. And to create those conditions, I know that I need long, uninterrupted stretches of time. So, no, no like 15 minute breaks, you know, two hours into it, no 20 minute breaks, no interruptions, no calls, you know, even people breathing around me sometimes can be a thing. So, I, I have these long and inter- uninterrupted stretches of time. And then I need um, generally some sort of a background process. So, music without lyrics, something that's very melodic, mm-hmm. almost like spa music. So, I can get myself into that zone. So, if I have kind of tying it all together. If I've externalized my time into a calendar and given myself an uninterrupted space of time where I've set boundaries Mm -hmm. for other people, where I, I am protecting that time and I have the ability to lean into it. And then I trigger that flow state by throwing on my noise canceling headphones and, uh, and just leaning into it, especially if it's at night, I know that I can max what I'm capable of doing. I mean, I'm talking like I can I can create an entire website over the course of two nights, or I can build a business in a weekend. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say that came to mind with this is that I think that kindness is sort of like the underlying operating system that I that I start from. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. not to say that I don't have like you know anger or, or 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 negative emotions out there, but by default, I tend to think I I want to be a kind person in this world, and I've found that that maxes me because i feel a sense of flow throughout life when i'm interacting with people in a kind way and then they respond in a kind way
1: awesome what um so i, I love you bring up this idea of like what's your superpower or, your, or you know being a superhero and you obviously have thought a lot about how do you max yourself but again going back to this idea of kind of like What's, what's your inner wisdom? What of, of what you've learned for yourself, would you actually recommend to everyone? So um, you had specific reasons why you designed kind of um, the things that help maximize you. But mm-hmm. um, I wonder if there are things in there that you're like, actually, I think like everyone what's universal. Yeah. That you would recommend regardless of whether or not people are super linear or, um, maybe, yeah, maybe they're not sort of having some of the same, um, you know, uh, kind of thinking patterns that you might experience yourself.
0: So the, the superhuman framework that I developed is probably the most universally applied idea that I have. Um, and, and it, it, it's something that I map onto myself and I actually came up with it partly by way of, you know, research on the one side, but on the other side, looking at what is it that made me good at anything I've ever been good at. So I came up with this framework called the superhuman framework. And these are the five kind of meta abilities that I think that when you apply them to something, you, you open up the possibility of maxing yourself out. So very simply, it starts with learning about a thing, comes into then thinking about a thing, being able to then communicate whatever that thing is in whatever way that that takes shape for you. then being able to lead people amidst that thing, to be able to be good enough at it that you can teach people, that you can lead the way uh, and and kind of take it in in your own unique direction. And then the ability to just to apply yourself and actually take action on it. Uh, you and I spoke earlier um about the idea that you know a lot of people just quit before they even get started really get started right and i think mm-hmm. taking action and having a bias for action for things that are important to you is is kind of one of the secret sauces in in all of the previous um, elements of the superhuman framework, the learning, the thinking, the communicating, the leading, you, you have to have a proclivity to take action on those things to mm-hmm. be able to open up that potential. So if I'm trying to do a thing, whatever it is, if I want to get myself in that flow state and I want to work on something, accomplish something, I have to have at some point gone through each of those different steps in the superhuman mm-hmm. framework to max myself out. Now I can do it without all of the the pieces, but I I don't think maxing myself out occurs unless I am at the point where I have extensively investigated it, where I've actually thought about it. So it's not just a matter of rote memory, but instead of deeper understanding to the degree to which I could actually communicate it to other people, where I could actually lead others around that idea or topic, at least even even in a small level. And then the ability to then Take action on it because i've I've attained a level of mastery of it that I can go into that flow state time, that hyper focus, and actually accomplish something.
1: I am so happy you said the word mastery because as you were describing this framework, uh, one of the things that I kept thinking about is uh, this idea of like mastery loops and what are like the what are the sort of the pieces of those? and um, this idea that often there is like an input stage where you need like some knowledge of the craft or you need, you know, it's like, you have to learn something about how it works, but I love that you have, and you have highlighted thinking, which I would love to come back to as a topic because uh, thinking is one of those activities that feels a little ambiguous. Yeah. Like, because I can, I mean, we could both be like thinking and I'm putting that in air quotes and we're both sitting in a chair, but like, it's hard to know exactly what's happening <laughs> um, and if progress is being made. So I think that's a topic I would really like to come back to, but yeah. I love this idea of like owning the knowledge. How do you synthesize like what you're getting, what, what the inputs are um, so that you own it so that you understand it. And, um, and I love then this piece of like communicating and leading and, um, This idea of those being like, almost like test yourself moments, because Mm -hmm. you got to understand something before, if you want to teach it to someone else, or you want to lead around it, or even just talk about it, that is such a great test of whether or not you have mental clarity about it. Like if you have mental clarity, it is much more likely that you can like speak about it in a way that other people might understand it.
0: Absolutely. Um, And and I just want to say one thing about that, that the communication piece is partly kind of test your skills in your ability to transmit the information it it, like in a conversation, right? Like that's one way we might think about it Mm -hmm. as that, or, or writing a blog post or making a video. But I also think the, let's say that you wanted to become better at ballet dancing, right? I think even the act of getting on stage, let's say, or, or doing some sort of a performance that others are watching is a form of communication of the, the work that you've put in and the, the things that, so I think even, the action itself is a form of communication. The leadership itself is a form of communication. And I distinguish them as separate because I think that there is a, a function that is like the ability to take the information and transmit it from one to another. But I think to a certain extent, it's also doing it is a form of communication. Leading is a form of communication in the same way that thinking is a form of learning. So there's a lot of overlap between these five um, components of the framework and how I see it. Um, but i just want to point that out that i think also the act of doing is a form of communication
1: i i love that that overlap is there and i definitely think about things this way so i'm just really appreciating that like things don't usually just sit in a single bucket yeah um sometimes that makes it more complicated to explain but um i think there's just a lot of truth there about you, you know how you think about that and even i mean for me I've been a person who really often I need to do something to learn something, or Mm -hmm. sometimes I need to communicate about something to really actually understand or think about it. So I'm a huge fan of, um, you know, taking like now that now that meeting in person is more of a thing, but like sitting down with a whiteboard with someone I respect, a thought partner and trying to explain to them,
0: (laughs) yes what i'm
1: thinking like we talked we've already talked a lot about this hard question of what do you want like what are you trying to accomplish how are you thinking about it what seems most important and i find um, for me thinking uh i have a lot of uh, fast moving thoughts um but to me to slow that process down and talk about it is actually a really important piece of my learning and synthesis um, so I don't know if that's ever been true for you. Do oh, you have absolutely. thought that I, I you live. like to process with to think?
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but my wife is my muse. My business partner knows that the best thing that you can uh, do with me is put me in a room with a whiteboard because there there's a very fine line between communication and thinking out loud, for me at least. Um, and, I, and I think there's such an overlap there that sometimes it would be uh, almost silly to even uh, distinguish them from one another, just let it happen and get the benefit from it. So yeah, I'm hundred percent with that. I think sometimes you really do need to um, think thinking and communicating are happening simultaneously. And you're, you're actually working through the ideas and the thoughts by bringing them out. And again, I mentioned before with the ADHD, I have to process things externally. Almost everything in yes. my world is, is about notes and it's about tasks and it's about calendars and everything has to happen uh, mind maps, like everything has to happen externally because once it's in my head, it's like, it could be gone in a second and a half, no matter how big, fully fleshed out the idea is, it could be gone in, in a minute. So I process everything externally. So I'm a hundred percent with that, that sometimes you just have to be in a space where you have to think things out, out loud.
1: I resonate very strongly with that. I, I have this sense sometimes of like ideas dropping out of my ears.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My, my, bosses, my just... business partner calls it uh, following me around and picking up the breadcrumbs. That's how she describes
1: it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. My house just has a lot of Post-it notes. Uh, like they're they're big, they're big Post-it notes and they're different colors. They're like a three by three incher. Mm-hmm. So they're big, but um, like we have called them nuts and seeds of genius. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. So, but, but this importance of sort of... Um, you know, having, having some different ways that even you do that thinking. So let's go back to this thinking thing, because yeah. I'm really curious about different ways to help people do this piece. Cause it's something that I've noticed in coaching, um, having people find a way to do the thinking that they need to do in order to support the goals, the processes like what they're trying to accomplish. I think thinking time is one of the first things that goes out the door when stuff kind of heats up and the pace picks up. And I would love to know like what you think or how you think about encouraging people to, or getting them to uh, really effectively do the thinking part of that framework. Whether it's ideas, stories, tips and tricks, I would love to know everything you think about that thinking part, because I think this is something that can be challenging for all of us.
0: I love that you're asking about this because I, I rarely get a chance to speak about it. But, um, you know, having thoughts is not the same as thinking. Um, we have thoughts happen so all true. the time. You know, what I mean, like we have thoughts happen all the time, but <laughs> just because you had a thought doesn't mean you need to believe it. So on the one hand, we have all of these thoughts that come through our head and we're so close to it that we think that is truth because it emerged from my vantage point thinking is is simultaneously thing a thing that happens automatically and a thing that we can do more deliberately so when i when i um talk about thinking as a core meta ability i'm looking at it from the standpoint of like critical thinking is a process. It is a thing that you can do that you can say, where's the who, what, when, why, and where of this thing. You can ask yourself the five whys to go deeper and deeper and deeper on something. Yep, you can try and take that. the idea and invert it to look at it from another angle. Uh, you can do a six thinking hats exercise where you you know, engage an entire group in parallel thinking from different perspectives of trying to look at a problem creatively or being a devil's advocate or looking at it factually. So, there are so many different ways to think. You could look at you know logic and rationality and how you can use syllogisms and things like that to be able to make sense of an argument about whether it's valid or not. Thinking is this enormous body of um of of study that goes far beyond the "I just thought of something" and instead extends into this whole world of ways of using the power of your mind to examine things, to understand things, to get deeper at things than you would otherwise just instinctually kind of have a thought pass through your mind. So when I talk about thinking as a meta ability, kind of to the the point about patience and looking at achievement and goals over a longer period of time and growth over a period of time, I look at the development of new ways of thinking as something that you want to commit to over a, uh, it's not something you can really binge, right? Like you can you can study <laughs> critical thinking, but you still have to apply critical thinking consistently throughout your life to become a critical thinker, right? So understanding this strategic thought and critical thought and um, you know, nonlinear thinking and linear thinking and um all of these different ways, I think it's really important because without any of this, everything you learn is simply memorization because you actually will not understand almost anything unless you've thought about it and understand it. We almost can't help but understand something once we understand it, right? When, when you've learned math, when you've truly learned math, one and one plus two, one and one, one plus one doesn't equal two, just because you memorized it. One and one equals two, because you now understand why. And I think the same thing mm-hmm. is true when you're talking about concepts, when you're even like, say you're talking about how to be better at sales, right? Um, it's like a golf swing. There's like 57 different individual movements that go into being good at sales. And um, when you really understand it, it's no longer you've memorized a script, but you understand how to exist in that moment and find a solution to somebody's problem. So when I talk about thinking, that's what I'm looking at is like the process of applying different methodologies of examining things from various perspectives using the power of your mind.
1: I I love the it, almost some of the concreteness you've you've added to it because I think that's one of the things that becomes really challenging for people is we all know how to like sit down and sort of be like okay now think but I think one of the reasons we stop doing it is if we feel like it isn't productive or mm-hmm. if thinking moves into rumination or yep. an anxiety loop or um or even just a feeling loop of like ugh wish things weren't the way they were. Yeah, um, you know, like all these things, or I'm hungry. What's for dinner. Um, all these things happen. And so in some ways you're like saying, okay, what are some of the guide rails or what are some of the, um, tracks or I like the word lenses, just some different ways to make thinking an activity, like yeah. make thinking an action,
0: yeah. um, just to make it more
1: tangible for folks. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. And, and, and just love to that. go
0: back to one of the first things you asked me about with like sort of the, the, what maxes me. And I kind of started with, um, you know, know, know thyself. I think the same thing is true of thinking, right? Like you have to understand what do you need to be able to think? And, and you mentioned whiteboards and I immediately kind of like perked up. I was like, well, oh, I love a whiteboard, but like, <laughs> what do you need to be able to think? Some people think really well in certain environments or certain types of uh, topics. Um, you know, like um, the the difference between brainstorming and brainwriting for introverts and extroverts. Um, you know, the, just the various um, methods of being able to capture what's going on upstairs. It's different for different people. And and I, I don't think there's one way of doing it. So I think learning how the world of thinking works and trying to find the one that really works for you or, or the ways that work for you, I think that's really, really important. Again, for me, a lot of it comes down to I have to externally process things. So most of my thinking happens with external prompts. I write myself a lot of questions, and I ruminate on that one idea. Maybe I go for a walk and think about it. Um, but all of that stuff comes down to like tried and true practices that i've that I've tested out.
1: Mhm I love that so um as you think about like these these frameworks and the stuff that Um, you help people work towards, right? like That you say, okay, here's a universal framework. How you do it might look different from how I do it, but like these things are universally helpful. Um, What do you think is the thing that you tell other people to do that is like the hardest thing for you, right? And this happens, I think this is Mm. universal of coaching, right? Like there's always stuff that we're like, okay. I, like this is really good and other people should do it and I should do it too. But it, man, it is hard for me. Um, what do you, what do you think about that?
0: You know, who would be really good to answer this question is my wife. Cause she sends me my own blog posts all the time. It's, it's oh, hilarious how often she does it. Um, I, I think one big thing that, um, that immediately occurs to me is that I am routinely the person that will give other people permission when I sense that they're craving it to do a thing that they need to do and and yeah. more importantly I'm the one who acknowledges people for the things that they're extraordinary at. So I I find things to appreciate and acknowledge in people. It's a thing that mm-hmm. I do. I I want people to appreciate the gifts that they have because so often they can't see it themselves. And the irony of it is that um I I just don't I don't appreciate my own gifts really. Uh, and and it, it there's so many reasons for it, and I could probably like unpack it in, in multiple therapy sessions, but I have a very <laughs> difficult time um, acknowledging something because there's this um, sort of social bias against you know, talking about what we're good at as if it's boasting or if it's like, you know, uh, you're Mm -hmm. not supposed to. Right. So I think that there's like a lot there. And then there's just a lot of trauma of being, you know, an ADHD and high school type kid who, you know, there's so much of that. Oh, he has so much potential if he would just apply himself. Like there's all of this baggage of like, I'm just an average, you know, dumb kid when it was like, maybe I just was in the wrong system. So I think a big thing that I don't take my own medicine on is acknowledging my own skills uh, or accomplishments mm-hmm. and making sure that I tell all of my clients and my friends to acknowledge and appreciate the things about themselves. Um, th- I think that's probably the big one.
1: Um, I I think it's so wonderful that that is something you do for other people. And I love asking the question because, um, you know, sometimes that just acts as a little, uh, you know encouragement to um to be recognizing yourself but here's uh here's a term that um i think we we were talking about performance discounting earlier and like mm-hmm. how sometimes we as human beings look at the past and then we're like yeah well that was in the past today is today um but there's this other thing that i noticed and you you said something that really reminded me of this which is it's this idea of um potential debt and i uh, I mean, this as a thing we do in our brains and it's, it's worse when people external to us, give us this sense. And I think you were describing something where in high school, it felt like everyone was saying, Oh, like he has so much potential. If he just apply himself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can even do this to ourselves where we say, we have this sense of like, I have so much potential, but we almost feel like we're behind and exhibiting it <laughs> And it relates to this concept that you had brought up earlier of, are we enough? Um, Like, can we both want to um, go achieve and grow, but also do so not from a place of like uh, saying, well, I need to grow because I'm not enough right now, Mm -hmm. or I need to make up some of that potential, that potential debt. I'm in potential debt and I need to like, you know, speed it up so that I'm actually meeting my potential. Um, And so I think uh, I would love to discuss this question. We didn't get to it earlier. And so uh, this idea of how do you for yourself balance um, coming from a place of being enough, i.e. not being in potential debt, like Mm -hmm. with saying, and I want to grow. And there are some exciting things I'd love to experience.
0: Yeah. It's like non-deficit growth is like how it sounded in my head, right? Like how, how do you grow yes. because everything's just fine, but you want more and not because mm-hmm. you, you have a gap or something missing, but because you genuinely just, um, you enjoy improving and growing. Um, and it's, and it's among the things I probably struggle with the most. So when, when I did my Enneagram, um, it comes mm-hmm. back with all the, you buy the report and it comes back all this stuff. And one of the things that it came back for me was that I was like a 20 out of 20 in self-improvement. Um, it's like just an obsession for me. Um, constantly trying to push. And, and, and I think part of it is that I turned my comp, my competitiveness internally at some point in my teenage years. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it just became this like slightly obsessive thing. And honestly, it's hard for me to sometimes distinguish whether or not I am looking to grow because I feel like I, I will never have enough or it's because I'm, just hungry for more, um, but I'm like I feel good, and I think the if I if I ever feel moments where I have it figured out air quotes where I feel like I've, I'm in a moment where I I'm good, it's the moments where I'm practicing gratitude. It's the moments where and and I don't want that to sound like woo or kitschy or anything, but like yeah. it is truly the moments where I stop and say you know what like things are good and. I'm, I'm really, I appreciate these aspects of my life and I appreciate this and I appreciate that it's in those moments where you're filling your cup or, or I guess not even filling your cup. You're recognizing that your cup already overfloweth with whatever it is in your Mm -hmm. life that you appreciate, right? That's Mm -hmm. when you can then focus on more without their feeling and need that you're, you're lacking. And, and to be fair, I have a lot of privileges and I am. Um, you know, in a position in my life now where things are going better than at, at points in my life where they were not. So it's a lot easier to say it from this the vantage point I'm in now. Um, but I, I will say that throughout my entire life, even when things were not as good as they are now, I do think that there were points where I I comforted myself in the like, well, things aren't as bad as they could be. And I am appreciative that it's as good as it is in this particular way. And it's in those moments mm-hmm. that I really do feel like I i was at least on firm footing to say, and what's next, where are we going to go from here? Because you're not catch, you're not trying to catch up to the present. Like I need something to be okay in this moment. You're saying I'm okay in this moment. And let me think about where I want to go from here. Um, so I guess that's just the way that it occurs to me is, is that's, that's how maybe you can unlock it or at least that's how i've found i have moments where i do unlock it myself
1: yeah i that feels like a very um like clean fuel way to approach it um i mean there's lots of different ways that we can fuel stuff and to fuel growth even sometimes mm-hmm. even growth that's in a really good direction but um i love this idea sometimes how i think about it or i'll talk to clients about it is like um What's your source of energy, right? So yep. we've got, we know that wind power, we know that water power, those are really clean sources of energy, sustainable. You know, we could run those over time. Uh, obviously, coal uh, and things like that are pretty dirty fuel, um, but they're really potent, right? Like you can, uh, I mean, they create a lot of byproducts that are bad. But they're really potent, and so um, I'm just reminded of this idea of like, where's the fuel coming from? Yeah, and there are lots of different ways to fuel growth, but um, that gratitude one, um, seeing where you're at, being thankful for the stuff that is going as it as it is, and um, being able to say, and I know that there's the potential for things to improve uh, from here. Uh, like, is a seems like a very kind of sustainable clean fuel.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the analogy is a really good one because it immediately made me think of, well, my other source of fuel is, well, I'll show them.
1: You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like
0: they're the other side of it. Oh is, yeah. You know, the, the easiest way to <laughs> that get me. so to,
1: resonates.
0: Right. The easiest way to get me to do anything is to tell me I can't do it. I'm like, how dare you? I will, not only will I do it but I'm going to learn everything that there is to know about it. And I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to be able to communicate it better than I am. I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to take action. I'm going to be incredible at whatever this thing is. Um, if if it's something that I care enough about, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. there, there, you know, I don't want to, I, I certainly don't want in, in talking about this and being like, ah, gratitude. Like I, I'm not some like, you know, uh, guru yogi or something like that, that, that has it all figured out. There is definitely the other side of it where some of my performance is absolutely the result of, just unbridled competition and, and, um, vengeance isn't the right word, but it's more like, you know, the, the, I will show them type spirit.
1: Absolutely. Uh, number one, I think you just like revealed the big red button to everybody. So if you want to edit that part,
0: no, it's cool. Cause I like it. I'm like fine with it. I I love being challenged. You know what I mean?
1: Everyone, everyone knows how to get you to do something now, Yeah, um, but here's the thing. Oh, I so resonate with that. And I, I think there's, there's, you know, we have experiences in our life where, you know, if you feel like, ah, oh, people are just not getting how much I have to offer, or, you know, if your learning curve looks different from someone else's, like in my life, um, I'm a person who really likes to understand the underlying system
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: Like and I can memorize stuff. Like you don't get through medical school without being able to memorize things. But I was always very clear that like the day the test was over, like that information was gone. Like that it wasn't sustainable. And uh, I like I like to understand the system, but it means I often ask a lot of questions, and I'm I'm running like hypothesis things with the questions I ask. But I think sometimes. (laughs) I would get the impression that people thought I was like slow, like that, like I was a slow learner or that Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to learn it. And I'll tell you, that has been like one of the biggest drivers of like, Oh, by the time I am like up to speed, I will now be like, you know, going super fast once I hit top, once I hit speed, but it will take me a while to hit speed. And that, that has been a huge driver for me sometimes, you know, not maybe the most sustainable or like positive fuel source. So well, I just—I I really I have me. a buddy who
0: just texted me recently, just out of the blue, and you know we've been friends for a, a number of years, and I've—I've I've coached him, not you know in both an official and an unofficial capacity. And he reached out to me and told me about this story where he was put on this gigantic project by a client that he has, and all of these other people were put on the project as well who do a similar function, and they all tried to pretend that they knew what was going on, and he was, you know. He basically just didn't understand, so he decided that he was just going to swallow his pride and ask a bunch of questions. Well, after asking a bunch of questions within like a week, he was like, "Oh, I totally get it now." And when all everybody everybody else that was in the same position that wasn't asking those questions completely lost still. So there's so much value in just actually expressing what your needs are because it it gives you rather than pretending that you don't have them by addressing what those needs are, asking questions, playing dumb, if you need to, to, to get the information you need to perform. That's actually, I think a a, a performance hack that people are often unwilling to do because they're unwilling to quote unquote, look dumb or ask the quote unquote, stupid question. Um, And I think that it's actually one of the smartest things you can do. I always tell people in my consulting capacity, like you don't pay me to have the answers. You pay me to ask the right questions. Well,
1: that, that may be, I just want to highlight this as if if people in the audience need a tangible tip right now that you can start applying today, ask the question. Yep. Ask it hundred percent. That's it. Full stop. Full stop. Okay. (laughs) Um, I, so we, this is shifting gears a little bit, but, uh, when we think about work and people are busy and often we say things like, Oh, I got a lot of work to do or, or even we're thinking about uh, you know the work we have to do to take us to our goal or to take our business or company where we want it to go. And I always like to ask the question, what is the real work? Because I think there's often an underlying current of what actually is the hard part. Uh, and we often get, uh, we often misthink that like the action part maybe is the hard part when there's actually something else that is kind of the driver. And if you get that right, then a lot of the other stuff uh, is sort of just fake hard. It's actually not that, not that hard. And I'm always curious. I like to ask people a question. What do you think for you is the real work? Um, what you do. So
0: I don't think anything I do is about anything other than trying to make a profoundly positive impact in the world. Um mm-hmm. So if we are looking at the if we're asking a question in terms of like, what's the purpose? The purpose is that. Yeah. If we're if yeah. we're looking at it from the lens of like, what's the actual difficult part to get where you're trying to go versus like what what does it seem like the work is versus like what's the difficult part? I, yeah. I
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, so if that's the nature of the question, I would say the difficult part is getting people to see that all of this stuff that we do is all made up. And that at the end of the day, we have <laughs> to figure out what it's all for. And that's a story that only we can actually define for ourselves. And that even in corporate environments where you have people working together, managers and and people that that are on that team, the actual dynamic that's at play is understanding what people really want. Is it validation? Is it impact? Is it, um, you know, competition and wins? Is it, uh, you know, saving face and not looking stupid? Like, what is the underlying thing that people want? And the problem is, is that we all hide that stuff. We don't talk about it. And few people, and it's not even deliberate. I think it's more often than that. There's people, they don't even know. Um, and getting to that is like, you know, the only reason I know anything about the things that I know about why I'm about what I'm about because I've done deep work with my therapist and, and with myself to actually explore a lot of that. And there's tons of stuff I'm still figuring out. And I think the problem is, is, that when we get in those environments, it's not safe for us to talk about those things. And we have other priorities that we're supposed to be focused on. But in truth, we're all just people with our own traumas and experiences trying to figure out what our life is supposed to mean. And Mm -hmm. the real work underneath is those those precious moments where you get people to drop the veil of having their stuff together and actually getting to the real meat of what they're about. And every once in a while, you find someone who's just blaringly open about what it is that they want to do in the world. But most people are going through the motions And not stopping to actually honor what it is that's important to them. So the real work is trying to find a way to build the trust, to build the safety, to have the care that people are willing to drop that veil to maybe do the work and to express that so that we can tie the work that we do together towards that thing that people actually really truly want.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think, uh, I love how you brought that, not just from sort of the personal place, but saying, yeah, into, into our systems, into our workplaces. Yeah, um, You know, like what often is the real work that's taking place there, that then supports everything else you wanna produce, all that positive stuff that you wanna produce in the world. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the time and I love the idea of like a few just quick questions that are fun. Um, I also, I always like to think about like, what does it look like to hit something with the fun hammer? Um, <laughs> and, uh, okay. So here are a couple of rapid questions just to wrap us up. Uh, if you, um, in the life Olympics, the Olympics of life, what is your event?
0: Oh my God. <laughs> That's such an interesting question. Hold on. I have, I have to even parse that in the Olympics of life. What is my event? Um, so you would
1: like get the go- the gold medal at.
0: Oh God, what would it be? I mean, wow. If I'm being like funny and like flippant about it, I would say, uh, uh, running, running, uh, an event up until the last mile, <laughs> <laughs> like, like running 80% being- of like running an 80% of a race basically would be like my gold medal event. And then <laughs> somebody else would run the last leg, the last mile.
1: I, Okay. I love this. It's like a relay, but it's like not like the four by four where there's like even pieces and you run one piece. It's like, no, the relay is you run 80% and then you like hand it off to the, to the finisher.
0: Yeah. Cause I, you know what the truth is, is that the last mile is the boring one. Like oh. of all of yeah. my projects, I love to build and conceptualize and strategize. And like, I will do 80% of it. Like heart, I will do 120% of the 80% but that last 20% with the details and the, the monotony and the management and like the, nah. so I think that if I was like, if I was taking it from like that kind of like fun flippant point, I would say running 80% of a race.
1: That is the spirit of the question. That was, that was a perfect answer. Awesome. Thank okay. You. Next thing. What is your favorite when you are like working hard doing stuff and you're like, Ugh, this feels like a grind. What is how do you hit stuff with the fun hammer? How do you like snap out of it and be like, "This should be more fun"? Is there something that you do that helps you think that way or change it for you?
0: The only way I feel like I can truthfully answer this is that I don't actually think I do anything that fits that category. I. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I, You're like I, those I, things are out of the toolbox. Yeah, <laughs> like
0: like and category. like I, I I don't know how that occurs <laughs> yeah. when I say that, but like truthfully, I love everything that I do. I I work for myself for, and like, that's the thing is like, when I worked for other people, I guess my answer Mm -hmm. would be to be like the world's worst employee and, you know, uh, just like undermine everything. Cause I'm just like, literally like the world's worst employee. But since working for myself, I just literally don't think I have that. I I think there are times where I get overwhelmed. I get overworked. I get tired, all those things. and, And I don't know if I can make anything more fun in those, but the work that I do, the way that I approach my work is actually always fun because I, I really designed everything that way. I only do things that I'm interested in and good at.
1: Awesome. I think that's a, that is a great place to be. Um, I agree. All right. What, um, what do you want to like, first thing that comes to mind, what do you want to high five your past self for? Say good job
0: past self. Good job, Ooh. past Jeff. Um the, the the first answer that would obviously come to mind is like uh pursuing my wife. <laughs> best decision. So ever.
1: great.
0: Yeah, it's like that <laughs> like I, I you know, if I want to keep it professional, I'd have I'd probably have to no, you know what? Honestly, even professionally, I would say pursuing my wife was the best decision. High five, Jeff. Do it a hundred thousand times over. Yeah, because like the, the impact she's had on my life professionally, personally, like literally across the board. I I honestly would. Yeah. That is a unda- double high five. High 10.
1: Awesome. um Breakfast of champions. What does that mean to you?
0: Uh, sleeping in and
1: awesome. coffee, coffee, perfect. coffee and sleeping
0: in. Cause I'm not <laughs> about the, also I'm a big fan of like a good bacon, egg and cheese sandwich or like the perfect bagel with locks. But if I'm, if I'm being like, Completely honest about what I want for breakfast, it's like a few more hours of sleep.
1: Awesome, that's great. Okay, last one. What's your kryptonite?
0: Uh,
1: Feel free to interpret yeah. any realm of life.
0: I guess uh, there's there's kind of two pieces of it. There's one that I, I, I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you a two part answer because there's one that I'm traditionally. And working on, and then there's one that's just going to consistently always be my kryptonite. So, so the one that's like my kryptonite and that I continually work on is vulnerability. And mm-hmm. if, if you have sensed at all that I've been vulnerable throughout any of these things, that is not an accident. That is like, that is work, um, to get to that point where I could do this. Um, cause vulnerability does not come natural to me being strong and being, you know, impenetrable and, and, you know, uh, a hero and all like that, that is the standard and being vulnerable is very, very uh, difficult for me. So I work really, really hard on that. So that is to a certain extent, kryptonite. I, I've just kind of, uh, if you've seen the princess bride, it's like the yeah. Iocane powder uh, scene where he's like, yes. I've developed an immunity <laughs> to Iocane powder. Like, so I'm, I'm developing a bit of an immunity to vulnerability, but it's still kryptonite. I would say that the the true vulnerability for me though is, is gotta be just um, it's the details. It's again, it's the last mile. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of years swearing up and down that I would get better at checking my email or that I would, um, you know, get up early and get to, to work on time or whatever, like any of those things that are just not fitting of how my brain works. And, um, and a lot of it just comes down to like, I don't have a brain built for details and repetition. Um, mm-hmm. I have, a I have a brain built for big picture and connecting the dots and finding patterns, um, and connecting with people and, and you know, getting deep into things, I, do, I don't have the one that's going to check my task list every morning. I, I don't have the one right. that can follow, mm-hmm. you know, prescriptive routines. Um, so that is undoubtedly the kryptonite. And, uh, you know, the truth is that I know how important habits are. And um, I, I want to be better at following my habits. But I also know that just like the, the ADHD, it's going to be a constant struggle throughout my life. So I guess my kryptonite is the last mile
1: yeah well just to combine those two um you know knowing that being willing to share what your kryptonite is like that is a moment of vulnerability um and also a real gift to our audience because i think um we all have these things and um to understand that we can accomplish a lot we can really um you know take our capabilities and create positive stuff wonderful things Uh, in the world, and that does not require uh, perfection. doesn't require 99th percentile thinking. Um, And often, you know, it actually just requires some persistence and using um, some different types of thinking or even like the framework that you brought up, um, kind of the superhero framework of saying, hey, if you can do these things, this learning, thinking, you know, communicating, leading, action, and you do that over time, you don't need 99th percentile um, talent or, or, um, or results because that, that will really help you in compound over time. And so I think it's a big gift to the audience just in hearing you say that. Um, I can certainly echo it for myself as well. But um, I, Jeff, thank you for taking the time, answering the questions, sharing yourself. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I feel like we touched on some personal, some performance, and I think we even got some fun. So uh, if I had to say something about this, it would be that it is shareable.
0: So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message using the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss out on my other podcast, Becoming Superhuman, which is also available as an email newsletter. Get it all at jgibbard.com. If you're looking for a book to read, may I kindly suggest Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. Available online wherever books are sold. And finally, if you're interested in working with me, whether it's hiring me to speak or train your organization or strategic consulting and coaching, all of that information can be found at jgibbard.com. All links can be found at the bottom of the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and please share this episode with someone who will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.